This past week in my devotion time, I came across this passage in Exodus chapter 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Then Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the Amalekites. They were, they were rivals and uh, a threat to the Hebrews during their exodus journey. But what strikes me by this passage is that not only does Moses write down the ways that God delivers his people from the hand of the Amalekites, but he also builds an altar. He, he finds a way to have a physical reminder of God's provision, of God's grace, of God's love in his life. And I think about how how I don't always do that, how actually I very rarely do that. Very rarely do I take the time to build altars to remind myself of the ways God has been faithful, the way God has continued to provide and make a way for me. So I encourage you this week, as you think about the ways that God is making a way for you in this time, Think about how you could build an altar, put it somewhere in your house to remind you of how God continued to provide even during this scary time. You know, it might be uh, as simple as, as writing a note on a piece of paper and framing it and hanging it up on a wall somewhere. Just a reminder, May 2020, God still provided. Or maybe you're a little more artsy and you want to paint a picture that reminds you of God's provision. Uh, maybe you want to um, build a bench. And as you're building that bench, be reminded of the provision that God has had through this season. How God has continued to be faithful, has continued to be good, has continued to deliver you from that which you found scary. Let's pray together. Most holy and gracious God, we thank you that you deliver us from the things that we cannot handle ourselves. Lord, that you lead us beside the still waters, that you restore our souls, that you love us. Lord, you truly are good, and for that we give you thanks. Lord, help us to be reminded of the ways that you've provided and the ways that you care for us so that we can testify to your goodness, both in season and out. That we can testify to the reality that we were dead to sin, but that you have made us alive in Christ. You've adopted us to be your children. So, Lord, with the confidence of your children, we pray the way now that Jesus taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 19. Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is valid because I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because I am not alone. But I and the Father who sent me judge together. Even in your law, it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You know neither me nor my Father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple complex. But no one seized him because the hour had not come. The code around witness testimony for the Jewish people was established in Deuteronomy chapter 19. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, we read these words. One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So no hearsay, no secondhand information. Two or three witnesses had to see with their own eyes the offense that was committed in order for someone to be found guilty. For something to be true, it had to be confirmed, seen by two witnesses that it's true. And Jesus is using this exact foundational thought of the Mosaic law in John chapter 5, when he says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Jesus understands the, the way the law works. That it's not enough to testify on your own behalf, but that you must have a second witness. You must have a second person who can corroborate your story per the terms of the Mosaic Covenant. Which leads us to today's text, where the Pharisees seek to use this exact same burden. Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you remember from back in, in January, we talked about this passage. We talked about what Jesus means in saying that he's the light of the world. How light was so central to the Exodus story. How light always accompanies the revelation of God. How for Jesus to say he's the light of the world is another 
indication that he is declaring his divinity, that he's the son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he's the one they've been waiting for. And the Pharisees respond by saying, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And they would be right. If Jesus was the only witness to his divinity, then his testimony wouldn't be valid. But hear what Jesus says. Jesus answers, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In the law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies myself for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying that there are two witnesses. It's me, and it's the Father. Have you ever had an experience in your life where God showed up and did something and you were amazed and you weren't sure if you could even tell someone about it because it was so incredible? You know, in a lot of ways, I think even coming to faith is that way because the Spirit speaks the truth of the testimony about Jesus into our lives and gives us the ability to say yes to trusting Jesus. The, the testimony that Jesus is trustworthy is the testimony of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's, it's, it's our testimony to that event. No one else can experience that with us. No one else can know that with us. The only people who testify are us and the Father who sent the Spirit to confirm within us, the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, I think about my salvation history that begins with being born into a family of loving parents who love Jesus. And by the time I was six or seven, my my mom being able to tell me that I didn't have to be afraid of the bad guys on TV because even if I die, that Jesus is making a place for me in heaven with the Father. And even more vividly, I remember... In high school, reading through the Beatitudes and, and discovering that I really hadn't been trusting Jesus with any of my life. It was especially those words, blessed are the peacemakers, that pierced me. Because I wasn't a peacemaker. I was a war hawk. I was a, a, a kid who, who the... The, the most defining moment uh, in my life was seeing the, the World Trade Center fall. And I remember thinking that day and for the next several years, all we have to do is just fly our million-dollar airplanes over the ocean, drop our $100,000 bombs, and bomb the bad guys back to the Stone Age. And then I'll be safe. I just need... George W. Bush to manipulate this situation, to take care of those bad guys so that all of us good guys can live a life of safety. 
But as I was reading through the Beatitudes, I saw these words, blessed are the peacemakers. And I discovered it wasn't just my hope that we could bomb all those bad guys back to the Stone Age, but that in every area of my life, I tried to manipulate the situation. I tried to overpower the situation. I, I, I tried to aggress my way through life to get what I want. But what we learn as we follow Jesus is that it's not so much that us and the people who have the same goals that we do are the good guys and that those who are who have other goals are are bad but that all of us are just people and all of us need the the sacrifice and the mercy of God in order to be transformed into who we were originally designed to be. You know, it started out as acknowledging this reality that, that my desire to see my country destroy our enemies. On deeper reflection, it was my own pride and my own inability to trust Jesus for all the things that I need in life. What, what, what God wanted to save me from that day and has been slowly saving me into for the last 15 years is, is learning how to be a peacemaker. That it's, it's not about our uh, ability to, to manipulate and to, um, to, to wrestle situations to the ground, but it's can we trust Jesus even with the things that scare us? Can we trust the testimony of the Holy Spirit who whispers in our souls, trust me, you can trust me. You can be meek. You can hunger and thirst for righteousness, not power. You can be a peacemaker. You can trust me. One of the things God is teaching me in this season is that I can plan plans, but I can't plan outcomes. And this week, it was really brought into sharp focus as we began potty training my youngest son. Because here's the thing about potty training, you can encourage all you want, you can coax all you want, you can bribe all you want, but ultimately the child is going to go when the child wants to, where the child wants to. And luckily we've been pretty successful to this point but it's a reminder that in this life, the best we can do is plan plans. We can't plan outcomes. And this should be incredibly freeing for us. Because in the same way that it is the Father and the Holy Spirit that testified to Jesus being the light of the world, even now it's the Holy Spirit who ultimately testifies to the truth 
that Jesus is who he says he is. That we can trust him. That he saves from sin. And frees from death. So, as we go about sharing our faith with others, it's wise for us to remember it is not our testimony that saves someone. I think about my life, you know, when I was six or seven, it was, it was the testimony of my mother who I trusted, who I believed when she told me that Jesus was making a place for me. But ultimately, I didn't trust Jesus until it was the Holy Spirit who spoke and told me I can. People aren't saved because we testify that Jesus is the Son of God. They are saved because the Holy Spirit testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. And this is great news for us because we can be truth tellers and we can, we can share the hope that we have both in season and out of season. But ultimately, it's not up to us to convince someone that they should follow Jesus. It's not up to us to, to give testimony in such a way that, that people are coerced into following Jesus. We tell the truth that we've been given. We share the stories of God's faithfulness to us. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to confirm the truth of that. That brings about salvation. That brings assurance that, that a person is no longer a slave to sin and death. But they've been adopted as a child of the king. Friends, we've been adopted. God loved us so much he sent his son into the world to die so that we might have eternal life. We are loved. God has chosen us. And our response to being loved, to being chosen, to being called is to share that truth, to share that love. But it's not ultimately what we say or do that will bring someone to know the truth of who Jesus is. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. May God use us. May the, the, the seeds that we plant or the seeds that we water or the seeds that we weed around... May the Spirit of God cause that plant to grow so that someone comes to know the good news that Jesus loves them, that they don't have to be scared, that they don't have to, to hold on to their life so tightly, that they don't have to bomb their problems away, but that they can trust in the everlasting love of God. There is a song that has been sung to the children uh, in our family for generations. Right before bed, every night, it is a song of blessing and benediction for the end of the day. And now my children sing it for you. The Lord bless you. 
Terima kasih.